Drive time, keeping you informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information. From the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic Drive Time. Now here's your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. Keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to God. Good morning to you. You have survived it. It is Friday. And we are going to be marking the 20-year anniversary of September the 11, 2001, tomorrow. But today we're going to talk about it a little bit. Where were you on September the 11th? I wonder. I would like to give you an opportunity, dear listener, to share your September the 11th remembrance with us live on the radio here at 15 past the hour. We will open up the phone lines. And if you would like to share with us where you were on that fateful day at that moment where you discovered the attacks on our country. I would like you to share that. I'll give you the phone number and you'll be able to call in and be a part of our show. So we'll have about a 15 minute window or a little less, maybe 12 minute window to take a few phone calls. And I would love to hear from you. So uh, be, st- be on the standby for that phone number. I'll, I'll give that to you in a little bit. Also on the program, we're going to have a great conversation with Dr. Jay Richards. Uh, he is uh, with CUA, also the Heritage Foundation. He has a book he has co-authored called The Price of Panic, How the Tyranny of Experts Turned a Pandemic into a Catastrophe. And I want to have a conversation. I'm going to ask him where he, where he was on 9-11. Maybe he can share that with us. But uh, I think his book is very interesting, and I want to ask him about that, especially since given that 9-11 was a game changer in the history of the world, especially in our own country, but the world as well. Uh, there were things that changed instantly as a result to those attacks. And is the same true? Could it be possible that this pandemic has have a similar effect on world history. I would love to know, since he is the co-author of The Price of Panic. All of that coming up in this first hour. In the second hour, if you are able to join us, we would love to have you. We are going to play our game, Fear and Trembling. And today is the day where we pull a name out of the coffee cup of divine providence. We read it live on the radio, and somebody gets to have a prize. And we're excited about that. Praise be to God. Good morning to you, Janice. Good morning, Joe. Praise be to God. It's Friday. You have survived it. How do you feel? Yes, it feels great. Yeah. It was a shorter week than usual, right? Because of our holiday on Monday. Yeah, for sure. Well, praise be to God. Mm-hmm. You get to pull a name out. Do you like giving away prizes? I do. I really enjoyed uh, the the prize that we had last week and our, our contestant winner, um, uh, Clarissa Gonzalez. And, and she actually added me on Facebook and oh, really? she uh, she sent me a photo of the item that she won because they they custom designed um they actually embroidered her child's name on it so it it was not only just a product that was already made but it was uh it was a custom made product as as well so that was really cool well praise be to god praise be to god speaking of uh things that are really cool at least most of the time adrian fonsek is here on the ones and twos good morning to adrian (laughs) good morning good morning where is the lie someone show me the lie that's that's pretty awesome I don't know. No, did, but, you, uh, did you say cold or cool? Oh, oh. well, Excellent I'm wearing a question. I'm wearing Very a jacket. Insightful, it's fine. Very insightful. No problem. I'm wearing a jacket. I'm not cold. But uh, <laughs> next week, though, Joe, we uh-huh. uh, Monday's going to be special because, you know, we have yeah. our regularly scheduled programming and mm-hmm. we have intersection with Bree Dale at 9 yeah. o'clock. Mm-hmm. Um, but oh, there's, there's always a, the button. There's there. something going on next week. Oh, you want to tell them what right. it is? Right. I forgot. Uh, I've been uh, so distracted lately with a bunch of other things that I forgot. Next week is what we call Shareathon Week. 
Praise be to God. We only get on the radio four times a year to harass you for for the uh, the, the mission funding, right? Uh, the, the the resources we need to keep the doors open, the lights on, and Catholic radio waves flowing in your community. So be sure to support your local Catholic radio station, uh, Station of the Cross. I'm thinking about you guys too, uh, Guadalupe Radio Network. You know, it's important to invest in the mission of Catholic radio. It really does make a big difference. And next week, the GRN is going to be doing that, which means our show show is going to change on Tuesday all the way to Friday of next week. Uh, our second hour is the hour that gets impacted. Our first hour remains the same, uh, but the second hour will be pushed back to, I think it's nine o'clock. I'm pretty sure it's nine o'clock and we will not be playing the Fear and Trembling on from Tuesday to Friday. We will play it on Monday and we will pull a name and we will we will give that person a prize on Monday. So that's that's next week called share Week. And again, Please be sure to support your local Catholic radio station. It really does make a big difference. Speaking of which, why don't we jump into praying and get into our conversation. I'll be giving out the phone number, opening the phone lines. I would love to hear your 9-11 remembrance story. You can share that live with us at 15 past the hour, so be ready to go for that. And at 35 past the hour, Dr. Jay Richards, the author of The Price of Panic, is going to be on our show. We're going to have a conversation around these game-changing, so to speak, uh, historical events. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known, that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy, hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, and now the headlines with Janice Valenzuela. Good morning, friends. Thanks for tuning in to Catholic Drive Time. I'm Janice Valenzuela, and here are your headline news for today. From LifeSite News, top story this week, Biden announces vaccine requirements for private businesses, impacting 10 millions of Americans, Joe Biden said Thursday, in total, the vaccine requirements and my plan will affect 100 million Americans, two-thirds of all workers. Joe Biden last night announced a series of sweeping COVID-19 vaccine requirements impacting more than 100 million Americans, including tens of millions of workers in the private sector. Biden unveiled se several new executive orders and other uh, de detectives aimed at increasing the share of the workforce that is vaccinated in businesses all across America. Also from LifeSite News, a grieving father from Texas who recently lost his teenage son from the Pfizer vaccine has been kicked off of the crowdfunding platform GoFundMe. Ernesto Ramirez has been gathering support on GoFundMe for his for his son's funeral so that he could raise awareness about the dangers of the experimental jab in the wake of his son's death, but was then informed by the website that his fundraiser had been removed because it fell under prohibited content in the company's terms of services. The Texan the this Texan lost all of his donations due to the crowdfundings giant decision to de-platform him. De him. From LifeSite News, ethics professor faces losing his job rather than complying with unethical vaccine mandates. 
Dr. Julia Ponosi, a Canadian professor at, eth- at Ethics for Western University, gave a powerful farewell message to her students in a recent video after she was fired for not complying towards the COVID va- mandate. From LifeSite News, Bishop Strickland has called on Catholics to demand Big Pharma to produce vaccines that are ethical and are not in any way connected to abortion. Bishop Joseph Strickland is once again condemning COVID jab mandates being pushed across the United States as a violation of Catholic teaching on free will and individual conscience rights. From LifeSite News, Democrat Attorney General Merrick Garland claims the Texas Heartbeat Act is one of all one that all Americans, whatever their politics or party, should fear. The Biden administration launched a federal lawsuit Thursday against Texas over its recently enacted law that has effectively halted abortions past six weeks in the state, claiming it violates both federal law and longstanding judicial uh, precedents. From Blaze News, Republican Representative Lee Zeldin of New York is disturbed to see that the Taliban is in power in Afghanistan on the two-decade anniversary of September 11 terror attacks. From Blaze News, the Los Angeles Unified School District is mandating that all students eligible to get vaccinated against COVID must do so. Students ages 12 or older must be vaccinated in the Los Los Angeles School District. And there there will not be any religious exemptions available. From Blaze News, President Joe Biden told 11 appointees in the Trump era that they must resign from military academy advisory boards or be fired. The White House Press Secretary Jen Fizaki confirmed on Wednesday that they had been served notice to resign or be fired. And lastly, from Catholic News Agency, the new Wuhan bishop has been consecrated under terms of vatican china deal a new bishop of wuhan china was ordained wednesday under the terms of the vatican china agreement a vatican spokesperson has confirmed the newly ordained bishop is a franciscan who is said to be a close friend with the chinese government and those are your headline news for this morning god love you and have a blessed friday the saint of the day is saint ambrose edward barlow he was born in 1585 in Barlow Hall, England, and was the fourth son of Sir Alexander Barlow and Mary Brenton. He was baptized a Catholic on the 30th of November, 1585, though he was raised as a Protestant, but as an adult he returned to the Catholic faith. He was educated at the College of St. Gregory Douai in France and the Royal College of St. Alban in Valdold, Spain. He became a Benedictine in 1616 and was ordained in 1617. In Douai, he returned to England to minister to covert Catholics in South Lancashire for 24 years. Unlike many of his brother priests, Ambrose was very open about his work and was arrested several times. On the 25th of April, 1631, just as he ended Easter Sunday Mass at Morley Hall near Manchester, England, he was arrested by an armed mob led by the local Anglican vicar. He was charged with the crime of being a priest, and he freely admitted to it. One of, he became one of the 40 martyrs of England and Wales. He was hung, drawn, and quartered on Friday, uh, September 10, 1641 at Lancaster, Lancashire, England. 
His skull is preserved as a relic at Wardley Hall, sometimes known as the House of the Skull, near Manchester, England. And his hand is preserved at Stanbrook Abbey in Worcester, England. It was canonized on the 25th of October, 1970, by Pope Paul VI. St. Ambrose Edward, pray for us. Praise be to God in all things. The Gospel today comes to us from Luke chapter 6, verses 39 through 42. Jesus told his disciples a parable. Can a blind person guide a blind person? Will not both fall into a pit? No disciple is superior to the teacher, but when fully trained, every disciple will be like his teacher. Why do you notice the splinter in your brother's eye, but do not perceive the wooden beam in your own? How can you say to your brother, Brother, let me remove the splinter in your eye, when you do not even notice the wooden beam in your own? You hypocrite! Remove the wooden beam from your eye first, then you will see clearly to remove the splinter in your brother's eye. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. You know, I remember the light bulb going off uh, many years ago now when I began to study Scripture from the Catholic uh, patrimony, right? From the from the lens of the Catholic faith and how the Catholic Church has always, going all the way back, has uh, seen and interpreted Scripture. One of the big clues was, who is Jesus speaking to? That is a, a, that is a big deal. Who is Jesus speaking to? Because most of the time, you and I, as we read this, we're like the fly on the wall. We're not the main audience. So understanding that, I think, matters. And here, Jesus is speaking to his disciples. Think Think about the pressure that they have to be under as the hierarchy of the church, as as bishops, the pope even, bishops, priests, who have to lead the flock in holiness. Think about that. Um, you cannot rationalize your sins. Jesus is making this very clear. Theophilicate would say, but these words are applicable to all, and especially to teachers, who, while they punish the least sins of those who are put under them, leave their own unpunished. Wherefore, the Lord calls them hypocrites, because to this end uh, judge they the sins of others, that they themselves might seem just. Too often we rationalize our, our sins. We give ourselves a pass. And I'm not just talking about the Pope, the bishops, and the priest. I'm talking about me, too, and you. I'm a parent. Most of you are parents. How many times have we given ourselves a pass and held our kids accountable? Seek first the kingdom of God. Amen? Praise be to God. All right, on the other side of this break, I'm going to open up the phone lines. It's 877-757-9424. Where were you on 911? 877-757-9424. Call right now. GloryAndShine.com, a generous underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. GloryAndShine.com is a Catholic family-owned company making a variety of personal care products ranging from lotions, soap bars, gift boxes, body mist, beard care, and more. At GloryAndShine.com, they state their mission is to, quote, craft every product with deep intention while holding a vision of sharing the gospel. They are good for the body, mind, and soul, unquote. God love you, GloryAndShine.com. Thank you again. The next National Men's March to End Abortion is Monday, November 15th in Baltimore. We will gather outside of a local abortion center and march to our rally point outside of the USCCB Fall Assembly. Men, it's time. We are killing unborn children by the millions. But how many men should be here? But where have all the good men gone? Where are you? 
Go to themensmarch.com for more information and commit to join us on November 15th in Baltimore. Howdy, this is Adrian Fonseca, producer of the Catholic Drive Time Show. Heard Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. Central and 7 a.m. Eastern, right here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. And I'm proud to tell you that Real Estate for Life is an underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. Real Estate for Life connects home buyers and sellers to real estate agents while supporting pro-life organizations, offering their clients a faith-based experience. They are online at realestateforlife.org. That's realestateforlife.org. God love you. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. Keeping you informed and inspired, I'm your host, Joe McLean. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. Coming up at 35 past the hour, Dr. Jay Richards, author of um, The Price of Panic, is going to be our guest at 35 past the hour. Uh, But I want to open up the phone lines and give you an opportunity to share your remembrance story of 9-11, 20-year anniversary this year. And where were you when that happened? I would love to know. The phone lines are 877-757-9424. They're open wide right now at 877-757-9424. We have about, I don't know, 12 minutes or so that you can call in and share that with us at 877-757-9424. And uh, we'd love to hear from you. But uh, joining us on the phone right now is Patty. Good morning to you, Patty. One uh, One of our founding members of the CDT Insider Club. Good morning to you, Patty. Hi, good morning. That's quite an honor to be a founding member. <laughs> <laughs> as in the Marine Corps, we used to call it, you're a plank owner. Yeah, praise be. I should send you a big, I should make a big certificate and send it to you. It'd be fun. <laughs> now, uh, Patty, uh, where were you on 9 11? Well, on 9 11, it was a beautiful, sunny Tuesday morning, and I was at work. Um, I worked right outside the loop on I 10 for a construction company, and I was doing payroll. And just before 9 o'clock, my husband called me and said a plane hit one of the World Trade Centers. And I'm thinking, what was it, King Kong and that little plane? i thinking, what, is it foggy? And he goes, no, it's just, what happened? And then he's going, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. I said, what, what, what? Another plane hit the other one. I'm thinking, oh crap, we're at war. Hmm. All I could think of was like Pearl Harbor, what my parents told me about Pearl Harbor, because that was before I was born, and what we needed to do. And I'm thinking about my kids. And I look out the window, and I can see I-10 from the window, and it looked like the whole Houston police force was streaming down, just tearing down I-10. The lights and tires going for downtown. Wow. And I could see downtown from my window. Oh, no. And this is before we knew about the Pentagon or anything, and before anything fell. And, you know, the people in my building were kind of just, like, almost holding their breath. And I'm thinking, oh, crap. Payroll. The payroll's got to go out because people (laughs) don't need cash. Yeah, I'm thinking of all the things my parents and my grandparents told me what went on during World War II. Uh-oh. I'm thinking of my kids. They're back in, you know, Copperfield. And I'm thinking, oh, crap. What do I do? This is before everybody had cell phones. I mean, we had cell phones, but the kids in school didn't. And uh, I didn't know whether they'd go pick them up or not. And they were listening to the radios, right? And everybody, they're, they're looking at me because I'm like one of the oldest people in the, in the office, a small office. I'm thinking, okay, just calm down. And then they said, we're the president. We fly back to Washington. No, he's not flying back to Washington. I'm thinking, he's going to the mountain. <laughs> and they said, what mountain? I'm thinking, oh, no. And then nobody who knew who attacked. And I said, must be some of the mountain. And going, who's that? Thinking, oh, great. Mm. And all I could think of is like, where is this going to go? 
what's going to happen. And yeah. I can be able to get home. So much you know, changed. Oh, so much changed right? in, in an instant. You know, the day before, there was no Homeland Security. There was no, uh, you know, TSA checkpoints. You, you could keep your shoes on your feet, your belt around your waist. You could take as many liquids or whatever else you, you know, right. wanted. All I mean, we would go to the gate to see loved ones uh, take off on airplanes. I mean... Right. Right. So much has changed. Endless wars. Uh, you know the the, uh, the remember the Edward Snowden. You know being a whistleblower because uh, the government began to spy on its own citizens in a very concerted way. Uh, yeah. So much right. changed as a result to nine eleven uh, that it's it, we. I think we've forgotten so much about uh, how pivotal that moment was in time. Well, another thing too, driving home. You know, you have to cross all those railroad tracks up on uh, 290 and Hempstead Highway and all that. There mm. were no trains. Yeah, no, no airplanes in the sky. None of it, yeah. it right. was. And the next time I saw an airplane, I knew it was a hot rocket. Not rocket, but, you know, one of, something from the Edwards Air Force Base, I think. Yeah. And yeah. I knew they were armed. And it's like freaky to have someone fly over your house that you know was armed and ready to fire. <laughs> and that was the only plane that was up there. Yeah, the talk about, was, uh, you know... Shooting uh, passenger planes down because they just didn't know. They yeah. didn't know what they were dealing with or how to deal with it. Uh, it was pretty. It was a pretty intense situation for sure. Uh, Patty, we're very grateful like to it. you uh, for calling in this morning. God love you. Thank you for doing that. <laughs> Thanks you too. Keep it up, guys. You're doing great. <laughs> All right. Praise be to God. God bless you, Patty. Have a great day. Uh, that opens up a phone line for you, dear listener. If you want to call in and uh, share your 9-11 story with us, where were you on that faithful day? You can do that. The phone lines are, are wide open right now at 877-757-9424. 877-757-9424. We have a few more minutes to talk to you, and uh, so if you want to share that, you, you just jump on a phone line right now at 877-757-9424. Let's go to the phones. Lori, good morning to you. Another one of our CDT insiders. Uh, good morning. Thanks for being on our program. Where were you on 9-11? Good morning, Joe. Good morning, y'all. I was working also for a construction company, but I worked over by the airport, uh, by Intercontinental. And we, the building was in a flight path, and we always joked that there were skid marks because the flight planes would fly over us. And when I first started working there, I, it was hard to get used to because the, when you were trying to get into the building, the planes would be flying right over your head and always wanted to hit the dirt. Hmm. But I got used to it, and that day when I was at work, um, it was quiet. Yeah. And the owner of the company brought us all into the conference room. Um, he had a TV set up, and we watched them come down. Yeah. Um, he pulled out a flag, and we said the Pledge of Allegiance. Wow. And we knew the world would never be the same again. Yeah, it did feel that way. The weight of it was pretty intense. Very intense. And um, when they started up the um, air traffic again, after so many days, we were outside cheering and waving at them. <laughs> it was it made you very, very, very patriotic. I'll never remember seeing more flags in my whole entire life. Yeah. And it didn't matter what side of the aisle you were from, you were an American. Wasn't first. that unique? 
I mean, that aspect alone was very unique. Uh, people on the left and the right, religious and non-religious, I mean, everybody came together in a common cause. And um, we all remember looking on the, the firefighters and the rescue workers who were attempting to find uh, survivors in the rubble in both in uh, New York and at the Pentagon. Uh, unfortunately, the, uh, the plane that crashed in Pennsylvania was all hands lost. Um, yes. And we remember looking at that and just feeling like, you know, we're, on this t- we're in this together. And it was really yeah. unifying. And then, of course, as I said yesterday, many churches filled up. People went to church. They prayed. Uh, it didn't uh, last. They, they but, prayed around the, the flagpole at school. Yeah. My sons um, wore their Boy Scout uniforms mm. to school. Uh, everyone was wanted to do something. Everyone. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, one of the, the memorable parts for me was watching live that day. That, that I'd gone to, the, to an office, and um, the TV was on. I was watching that live. I was up in New Hampshire at the time, and it was the, it was the people jumping off of the building, falling and jumping off the building, because they would rather fall than be consumed by the, in, the intensity of the fire. And I remember the live video feed in the, uh, you know, the bottom level of the World Trade Center, and you could hear the sound of those people impacting uh, around them. And it was the most insane thing I had ever seen uh, and experienced on television, for sure, but ever, really. It was really intense. Really, really intense. Very sad, and we were very angry. Yeah. Very angry. We wanted answers, and we wanted them right away, didn't we? Um, Amen. Little did we know that we were going to spend 20 years at war doing it, though. Um, boy, the price, the price was, was incredibly high, for sure. Lori, thank you for being on with us today and sharing your uh, 9-11 Remember story. We're very grateful to you. God love you. God bless you. Have a great day. I love you, too. All, All right. right. Bye. That opens up a phone line. If you want to share where you were on 9-11, you can do that right now. But you do need to hurry. We only have a couple of minutes left in this segment, so uh, call right away at 877-757-9424. If you want to share your 9-11 Remembrance story with us, you have to hurry now. 877-757-9424. That's 877-757-9424. 877 877- Seven five seven nine four two four. So we have a couple of calls coming through. Uh, praise be to God for that. Uh, hopefully we get to them very quickly now. But, uh, you know, it's the 20-year anniversary. And I think over the past, let's say, the last 10 years, it's become kind of commonplace. And I think uh, fewer and fewer people are, are paying attention. Well, 20 years gives us an opportunity to, to remember. 20 years gives us an opportunity to think back. Let's go to the phones real quick. Mark, good morning to you. Thanks for calling in. Good morning, Joe. Praise be to God. I wanted to talk about, uh, praise be to God, Joe. Um, I wanted to talk about where I was at that time. Um, I am also a Texan, but I was in Louisiana then as a Catholic youth minister in a very small town. We were the only Catholic church, and I remember being at home because it was a Tuesday, and that was the one day for a youth minister, you kind of relax a little and don't go in as early. Mm. And my pastor called and said, turn on the TV now, same as everybody else. And I turned it on and was horrified. And I knew that I immediately needed to drive to the church. Um, there would be people that would, you know, be seeking out the church. 
And so as I was watching it, I jumped in my car, 77 Trans Am then. <laughs> um, wow. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I drove to the church, and Father and I opened up the church, and we were amazed at the number of people who were not Catholic who were coming to the Catholic Church as we were the only church that opened our doors. Yeah. Um, it was amazing because it was a very kind of a hostile environment in that town towards mm. Catholics at times. I don't want to say hostile, but, you know, just uh, uh, an antipathy towards Catholics. But um, I remember the youth who left school, those who could drive, they drove straight to the Adoration Chapel, and I've never seen it more full than I've seen it that day. Wow. Well, Mark, um, I'm going to cut you off because I got one more call and I got about a minute to get to. But thank you for sharing that. Uh, I'm glad that you did uh, because uh, the prayer was amazing to see people going back to prayer. But Mark, God bless you. God love you. Have a great day. All right. God bless you. Okay. Regina, good morning. Real quick, uh, you only have about a, a minute. Where were you on 9 11? I was at work flipping out because I had a cousin who worked in Washington and an aunt who was a flight attendant. I had no idea where they were mm. at the time. Uh, thank God my cousin wasn't working at the Pentagon, but uh, she worked at the Capitol, and I hear that the Pennsylvania plane uh, that crashed may have been headed for the Capitol at the time. Uh, I was so scared. Work wouldn't let me go home either, and yeah. I was just so scared oh, at, wow. at that time. Yeah, and I remember, you know, parents wanting to get their kids out of school because nobody knew. Nobody knew what to expect. They didn't know how big of an attack this was or if anything was coming next. It was it was a very intense time. Uh, Regina, I'm sorry yeah, we didn't have more time to chat with you. That's okay. Yeah. God bless well, God you, Regina. You. I love Thank you so much calling in from Buffalo, New York. We love our New York and uh, Station of the Cross listeners. God bless you. Have a great day. But we are going to go to a a break. We're going to come back with breaking news and stories. And then Dr. Jay Richards is going to be our guest. We'll continue the conversation, 9-11 and the pandemic. All that's coming up next. Whenever Christians judge some behavior to be immoral, we're often hit with Matthew 7-1, where Jesus says, Judge not that you be not judged. But this is a misreading of the text because just a few verses later in verse 5, he gives us precise instruction on how to judge. He says, first, take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Jesus, therefore, is not saying that we can't judge a behavior to be immoral. His point is that we need to have a forgiving and merciful attitude toward others as God has toward us. And when we do judge a behavior to be wrong and encourage our brother to avoid it, we need to make sure that we're first a credible witness living an upright life. I'm Carlo Broussard with the ready reason for Catholic Answers, Catholic.com. Howdy, this is Adrian Fonseca, producer of the Catholic Drive Time Show. Heard Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. Central and 7 a.m. Eastern, right here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. And I'm proud to tell you that Real Estate for Life is an underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. Real Estate for Life connects home buyers and sellers to real estate agents while supporting pro-life organizations, offering their clients a faith-based experience. They are online at realestateforlife.org. That's realestateforlife.org. God love you. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, friends. I'm Janice Valenzuela, and here are your headline news for today. 
From Epic Times, Microsoft company has warned some of its cloud computing customers that a recent flaw was discovered by security researchers, which could have allowed hackers to access their data. Also from Epic Times, the Archbishop of Washington on Wednesday said that he was embarrassed at the charges of sex abuse recently filed against his predecessor and emphasized that the church's primary concern in such cases should be caring for victims. Addressing a National Press Club lunch on Wednesday, Cardinal Wilton Gregory answered questions on wide ranges of issues, including the clergy sex abuse, COVID-19 vaccines, and becoming the first African-American cardinal in the United States. From Blaze News, President Joe Biden will take part in an event with California Governor Gavin Newsom on Monday as as the Golden State Governor stares down the threat of being out ousted from the office during the state's gubernational recall election. From Catholic News Agency, the Supreme Court of Justice of the of the nation the highlights the judicial body in Mexico ruled September 9th against the protection of life from conception in the constitution of the Mexican state of Sinaloa. This is the court's second ruling in favor of abortion in less than a week, a ruling that could have a dramatic consequence on other states of the country. From Epic Times, a number of U.S. businesses face supply crunch-driven inflation, and input cost says that they expect to pass on higher prices to consumers. According to the Federal Reserve, many businesses expect to raise prices in face of higher input cost. Also from Epic Times, at least 41 people have been killed and dozens have been injured after a fire broke out in an overcrowded Indonesian prison near the capital of the city of Jakarta. From Epic Times, Vice President Kamala Harris on Wednesday returned to her home state of California to campaign for Democratic Governor Gavin Newsom, who faces a recall election in the country's most populous state. On September 8th, the Biden administration's Department of Energy issued a new report, the Solar Futures Study, which claims solar energy could power 40% of the U.S. grid by 2035 and 45% of the grid by 2050. And lastly, from Epic Times, the Republican National Committee on September 8th, September 10th, announced its plans to sue President Joe Biden's administration over its COVID-19 vaccine and testing mandates. And these are your headline news for this morning. God love you and have a blessed Friday. Praise be to God in all things. Uh, thank you, Janice, for keeping us up to date. And I just want to say Lynn just called in. Uh, she shared that she was uh, watching EWTN Mass on September the 11th, 2001, and uh, Mother Angelica came on to let her know. Um, and it was a surreal moment. Uh, so thank you, thank you, Len, for, for calling in. Uh, joining us right now uh, via Zoom chat is Dr. Jay Richards. He is the author or co-author of The Price of Panic. And he is also the William E. Simon Senior Research Fellow at the Heritage Foundation and the Senior Fellow at the Discovery Institute, Executive Editor of The Stream, Adjunct Professor in the Bush School of Business at the Catholic University of America. And he joins us now. Good morning to you, Dr. Richards. Good morning. 
Praise be to God. Uh, can I start by asking you, where were you on uh, September the 11th, 2001? <laughs> I was actually living in Seattle. I was working full-time at the Discovery Institute, and so it was three hours earlier, and I was getting up actually to go to the gym, uh, and a friend left a message telling me about the first tower, and when I got to the gym, the second tower happened on the screen. So I, told, I really remember the day in exquisite detail. You know, I was listening to an interview you were doing with Eric Sammons on your book that you've co-authored, mm-hmm. The Price of Panic, How the Tyranny of Experts Turned a Pandemic into a Catastrophe. And I could not help but think about uh, that conversation, your book, and uh, 9-11. And, and the reason why is because uh, we all remember, like those of us mm-hmm. that are old enough, uh, we remember exactly where we were. We remember the circumstances. The details are fresh in our mind. And we mm-hmm. also realize how different the world changed in an instant. In the mm-hmm. instant of this attack, so much in our life changed and has not gone back. I mean, TSA is a reminder every time we get mm-hmm. on a plane that life is is different now. Uh, the, the, the uniformed... Uh, soldiers carrying their, uh, you know, M16s in our airports at that time was a reminder of how different life was. There's so much has changed. Homeland Security, I mean, so yeah. much has changed uh, and has never changed back. Uh, it made me wonder if this pandemic is another one of those major uh, moments in history where life has changed significantly. What would you say to that? Yeah, it's definitely an inflection point. I mean, I think we can all remember it in many ways. I think in some ways the visual drama of it, just the horror of watching those buildings go down and knowing you're watching people die. Um, And in some ways, I mean, if you think about it, of course, I think that no doubt many future attacks were probably prevented as a result of that. And we had essentially a larger security state apparatus, as you said, the Department of Homeland Security was created, right, as a kind of consolidating move, though, I think, except for encountering TSA and some things like that, that the effect on our individual lives of just the ordinary American has not been that significant, unlike the COVID-19 pandemic. I think that uh, that just obviously, if you couldn't go to school, if you couldn't go to mass, um, if you couldn't go to work, you had to close your business uh, for months and months and months. That is a vastly more dramatic and I think potentially catastrophic change. And what these have in common is that certainly there's an amount of fear and panic involved. The question is whether that uh, how much of that has been natural? How much of that has been generated either by the, either by politicians or by the media in this case? Dr. Jay Richards is our guest, and uh, the book is called The Price of Panic, How the Tyranny of Experts Turned a Pandemic into a Catastrophe. One of the points that I, that I tend to make is the disproportionate response to, to what we're seeing. Um, at first, I remember 2020. Yeah, I had sure. I've had COVID twice now. Uh, the first time was in January of 2020, before we even realized it was COVID. It wasn't yeah. yet a thing uh, in um, America. We were watching the crazy video coming out of China: people mm-hmm. falling in the streets and being ripped out of cars and locked in yep. their their apartments. I mean, that was insane. And we thought, good thing it's happening over there and not here. Yeah. But and then we were getting sick at the same time, and we locked down. We did not know. Fair enough. But uh, six months later, you begin to ask, what's the excuse now? We know. We have some information. We have data points. And yet we are seeing still a worldwide lockdown push, mandates coming down. Um, I've maintained this is a disproportionate response. What say you, Dr. Richards? 
I think it's an insanely disproportionate response. And it's not just that it's disproportionate. It's that uh, this is the, the name of our book, The Price of Panic, is that the cost, both in livelihoods and in lives and in freedom, of the lockdowns in particular, vastly exceed the benefits. And in fact, we thought when we started on the book that what we would find is the lockdowns had some minimal uh, benefit in terms of, you know, sort of bending the curve down a little in terms of cases. That's what we were expecting to find. But we ran the numbers of all the U.S. states, all the countries in the world, uh, mapped them against the lockdown dates. And look, if the lockdowns made a discernible difference, you would see a bend in the curve of cases about 10 days after a lockdown. That doesn't happen anywhere. And in fact, the case curves are just completely um, <laughs> indifferent to the government lockdowns. And so we had to conclude the lockdowns basically played no role or contributed to the sort of reduction in uh, cases of COVID-19. And so it ended up being all costs and no benefits, all pain and no gain. And when you run out the price tag in lives, uh, it's just a complete catastrophe. I think it's the greatest public health catastrophe uh, in history, not because of the virus itself, which compares sort of like the Asian flu or the Hong Kong flu, which has happened in the 20th century, uh, but in terms of the response, which I think is just a complete disaster. What about, uh, we're seeing this these video uh, coming out of France, massive uh, uh, yeah. crowds of protests against their own government and their policies. Uh, Australia, England, mm -hmm. Brazil. I mean, we're seeing huge crowds in many parts of the world. It, it, that's another thing that kind of crosses my mind. <laughs> The governments are elected by the people to represent the will of the people. The will of the people has made their voice clear that they're not interested in this level of lockdown or mandates mm -hmm. or whatever. And these governments are like, you know, hush, we'll tell you what to do. Just listen to us. That seems rather bizarre to me. Does it to you? Yeah, it does. And this is what, honestly, we discovered in working on this book is something I did not really realize, which is that the, the global and national public health bureaucracies uh, are massive political entities, which I, I just thought of the World Health Organization as a bunch of scientists and doctors uh, or the CDC. Uh, but the, the, the reality is somebody like Dr. Anthony Fauci, who has been uh, frankly, a swamp creature for decades. He has been a government employee in Washington, D.C. for decades and decades. These people are very risk averse. They always, 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 when push comes to shove, estimate, overestimate the dangers of something simply because of incentives. If they say, look, it's no big deal, and then it's a disaster, they, you know, they lose their jobs. If they say it's going to be a horrible disaster and it's not as bad, then they can say, well, either good thing we responded or, okay, well, better safe than sorry. And so uh, the public health bureaucracies are always going to tend in that way. And so that's why we saw scientists that were independent from Stanford and Harvard and Oxford saying, look, this is completely irrational, but Google blocked them because they weren't <laughs> officials. They were independent of the, the, the apparatus of public health. And I think that's the really the untold story. Hold that thought, Dr. Jay Richards is our guest. His book that he's co-authored is The Price of Panic, How the Tyranny of Experts Turned a Pandemic into a Catastrophe. I want to bring up that point on the other side of this very short break, the censorship issue, the conspiracy hats that we must now wear. I want to talk about, about that next. Don't go anywhere. This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Minute. Have you ever heard the expression free love? Do you know what it means? It means false love. True love does not want to be free. 
It wants to bind itself. It wants to give everything and forever. It wants to make a vow, a promise that it will keep. G.K. Chesterton says the man who makes a vow makes an appointment with himself at some distant time or place. The question is, will he keep the vow? That's the adventure. The perils and the punishment must be real. If I bet, I must be made to pay, or there's no poetry in betting. If I challenge, I must be made to fight, or there's no poetry in challenging. And if I vow to be faithful, I must be cursed when I'm unfaithful, or there's no fun in vowing. Want more than a minute? Chesterton.org Hi, Joe McClain here, host of the Catholic Drive Time, heard Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. Central, 7 Eastern, right here. And I'm proud to tell you that Real Estate for Life is an underwriter of the Catholic Drive Time. Real Estate for Life connects home buyers and sellers to real estate agents while supporting pro-life organizations. Real Estate for Life offers their clients a faith-based experience. Real Estate for Life is online at realestateforlife.org. That's realestateforlife.org. God love you. be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. Dr. J. W. Richards is our guest. He's co-authored the book, The Price of Panic, How the Tyranny of Experts Turned a Pandemic into a Catastrophe. We originally were going to talk to him about uh, uh, fasting from a Catholic perspective. Not just good for the waistline, by the way. Good for the soul. And But uh, we thought this would be a, a more apropos conversation, but we will rebook him for fasting soon, so he'll be back. But uh, welcome back to the program, Dr. Richards. We were talking before the break, you brought up censorship, something we have been experiencing here on this show a lot lately. Every, it used to be, um, you can't, you couldn't talk about the, the vote, right? You couldn't Mm -hmm. mention that, then they censored you there. But we did a lot of work on the vaccines a year before they were coming out. We had uh, yeah. subject matter experts, people who who were in the business of uh, having therapies processed through the FDA and and all of it. And we kept getting censored. We still are mm-hmm. being censored by the the uh, platforms for that. That is another one of those bizarre ideas. We can't have a conversation around around these big-time issues that are affecting the entire world. I can't even talk to my doctor about certain uh, therapies. Right. Regardless of what animal they may be used for, I'm not allowed to have the conversation? That seems weird to me. It is weird, and I think that's uh, the other sort of part of this story is the role that the media, and in particular the social media uh, platforms played First, in generating the panic, in which you have this real-time experience of seeing a man fall over in, a, you know, on the street in Shanghai, and suddenly it's on your smartphone, and then it's on CNN in two hours. Turns out it's nothing to do with COVID, <laughs> uh, but the damage has been done, right? Yeah. And then their ability and just completely shameless willingness to control the flow of information on these things. And it's not just radio shows. It's not just you know, an analysts, people like me. It's uh, prominent scientists who want to talk about this and just have a rational conversation. I also think it's completely counterproductive because if people are, uh, you know, somewhat skeptical, the best thing you can do is totally level with them about the details when it comes to these vaccines. But anybody with a half, you know, a, a brain and just a little discernment can figure out, look, you know, they're not telling us the truth about a lot of this stuff and they're not, they're not leveling with us about obvious 
therapeutics that might have some benefit. In fact, the fact that you're just not allowed to talk about these certain drugs that I won't even mention, you know, that I'm sure your listeners probably all know about, uh, that pharmacists are told they're not allowed to, uh, you know, to prescribe them, even if a doctor calls them. This is just completely bizarre. And I honestly, if I had to guess, it has far more to do with uh, the, the kind of provisions of the emergency use authorization, which require that there not be alternatives to a vaccine. And so therefore, they're just, you know, if you talk about a therapeutic, it could undercut the emergency use authorization. That's the only thing I can figure out, because n- none of it really makes sense unless they're literally trying to make us all paranoid. Yeah, yeah, they're the thing, successful at that, I would say. Adrian? Yeah, the thing that blows my mind, and I was having a discussion with my roommates uh, today, or yesterday, rather, about this topic. We were saying how, you know, they have all, we try to bring up these facts, these information, things that you were mentioning in the last segment about uh, case numbers and things like this. And and they, they talk about how whenever they bring it up to their family, my friend, my roommate, is uh, his father is a, is a doctor uh, who his only source of uh, media is CNN. And he was telling me, he was like, yeah, so my dad literally... Any free time he has, he's reading and watching CNN. And when I try to bring up these facts and these things, he says, oh, but that's a fringe source. And they're saying, but the problem is it's a fringe source because they won't allow it anywhere. And it won't allow it anywhere because it's a fringe source. It's a circular logic. Can you speak on that? That's exactly right. I mean, what's funny about this controversy is so, you know, if you talk about you want to talk about the vaccines, Dr. Robert Malone, who is the guy that invented the mRNA technology? He's not anti-vaccine at all. He just wants to talk about the possible dangers or Martin Koldorf. He's at Harvard. Okay. Dr. <laughs> Gupta is at Oxford. I mean, I could list Jay Bhujacharya is at Stanford Medical School. These are fringe, but the guy, the 27 year old talking and reading teleprompter from CNN, that's, a, that's normal. That's the sort of reliable source. I mean, I can't, I can't figure out how people watch CNN. Every, I get trapped in United clubs periodically in airports and it's on <laughs> and it's just 24 seven panic porn. And so it's, it's really, utterly relentless if you just just go and read the cdc website honestly that's how i would tell people look you can look up the numbers i'm not making this up go to the cdc website find out what the infection fatality rate is find out who dies and who doesn't die from these this isn't private secret secret yeah. sort of esoteric knowledge and yet um people just simply trust the panic porn if we cannot learn to discipline our consumption of media with a little discernment i think we're going to stay in this cycle forever you know we when we got struck but this this last time we got struck by youtube for daring to conversate about the hot button issues mm-hmm. um i we we always appeal and they always come back and say no we do not like you and uh and in their response to us they uh, we were quoting cdc and they're sure. like it's the World Health Organization that is the standard. Yeah. So quoting the CDC doesn't even do you any good, even if you're being verbatim and not even trying to rock the boat. They, it's the World Health Organization that uh, that they use as their arbiter of truth. I, that shocks me, because especially considering how closely aligned they are with uh, the communist CC, CCP government. Um, who gets to check the fact checkers? No, I mean, no one. We can do that. Unfortunately, I mean, for all the frustration, we were able to write this book during lockdowns without one of us was in California. One, I'm in D.C. And one of my colleagues, William Briggs, he was actually in Taiwan for the entire duration while we were writing this book. Wow. And we could get access to the PubMed and to the journals online. What was scary, though, was watching Google bury this stuff. So a major paper would come out about something, uh, you know, and then within three days, the thing would get buried so that if you didn't have the exact title of 
that journal article, you were very unlikely to find it. And that's what is so absolutely terrifying. And they just sort of decided arbitrarily, it's going to be the World Health Organization. Well, people working for the World Health Organization, that's not a gold medal for scientific acumen. Again, these are just bureaucrats that happen to work for the public health entity at the United Nations. The head of it, Secretary uh, General Tedros, he's actually a longtime member of the Communist Party of Ethiopia. Again, wow. this sounds right. This sounds like a uh, tinfoil hat stuff. Look it up. Uh, this, this is a, a communist party that's been accused of war crimes and human rights violations. That's the head of the CDC. I mean, you can't make this stuff up. Wow, that's that's pretty amazing. And the fact that you were mentioning the fact about having to search for this information, I we found the same thing to be true. It really goes back to my point earlier about like these. It's fringe because they bury it, and it's yeah. buried because it's fringe, and it's it's yeah. it's, 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 it's crazy. Uh, but one thing that I wanted to ask you about is, you know, we're we're having this this mass panic, and everybody's freaking out, and we have uh, the. Organization that we had yesterday, Biden come out saying that he's going to force all companies of a hundred or more to mm-hmm. ha- mandate vaccines. And I have a number of friends who are uh, unfortunate enough to be in a situation where they're being forced to take a vaccine and they are refusing. Um, so what what can we do? What what is the situation here? What's the goal? Why why are they doing this? It seems like they are uh, doubt doubt protest too much. Methinks. Yeah, yeah, I think so. And I, I mean, I think part of this is that they constantly need a scapegoat because the truth of the matter is the federal government has a limited ability to control a respiratory virus. <laughs> and let me just you know on the captain obvious stuff. Let's state <laughs> that right up front. And so no matter what happens when we have a surge again, look, this is a respiratory virus. It's now uh, endemic and so. You're going to have a surge in hot places in the summer when everyone is inside and a surge in the cold places in the winter when everyone is inside. That's going to happen. And so we need the government needs somebody to blame. And so now it's going to be the scapegoat is essentially the unvaccinated, even though this makes no sense. If you look at the people that are high risk, something like 96 percent of people over 65 have had at least one shot. I think it's about 85 have had uh, vaccines that require two shots. So the vast majority of people that are actually at risk have actually already been vaccinated. People that are young and healthy have a are 1,000 times less likely to die of the coronavirus. So this is just a complete loss uh, of, of, you know, sort of priorities. But I really think it that's ultimately what it's about. They need someone to blame. And so they can sort of keep blaming the unvaccinated, even if they're young and healthy. Uh, they need that, I think, so that when the surge happens again, they can say, okay, see. The other thing is that the peak on the cases right now has actually been going down for several days. So we're already past the peak. Mm. And so Biden will somehow be able to claim that this this mandate will be responsible for something that started before he made the, the declaration. You know, the CDC, I used to watch the, the, the charts on the CDC about weekly infections and deaths, mm-hmm. and uh, they used to break them out by age group. And you could see every age group in one chart. And it was so easy to see that if you were if you were like 25 and younger, you had like almost nothing to fear. I mean, it yeah. was it was so it was a flat line, and then right. it starts to peak up a little bit. But it's really when you get into those that that older segment mm-hmm. that this was a very serious thing, and it became obvious. Oh, okay, now we know who to protect. Now we know who, right. who to help, and uh, and everybody else. Well, we got to keep the economy going. We got to keep going. But again, I go back to this disproportionate response to the situation and the data that we're looking at and and I, I beating a dead you know a dead horse here but it's the censorship you're not allowed to have rational conversation you're not allowed to think logically you're only allowed to go along with the, with the narrative do you, are, 
Is there an out to this? Is there a light at the end of the tunnel? Uh, I mean, what's coming? Well, I think I, we can see what's coming is that, uh, I, and we the, ended the book with the, the real loss is the loss of basic freedoms. It's much worse in Europe. That's why you're seeing these massive uh, uh, demonstrations and protests. But what's weird, what, what everyone discovered in the last year and a half is that developed Western countries, including the United States, will almost entirely comply with outrageous orders if we're told it's a public health crisis and if you don't do it, you'll, you'll kill someone. That was the moral jujitsu that was played on us so that it's not just your freedom, but if you exercise your freedom, you'll kill someone else. This was based, of course, on this idea of asymptomatic spread. Well, if that's a good argument, then you should never be allowed to leave your house because it's always possible that you have a cold or you have the flu or you have some other, uh, some virus, right, that's asymptomatic and it could possibly kill someone. So they, they've actually set up a condition that if we actually followed it consistently, it would mean no one could ever leave their house and they'd have a moral obligation to do that. Well, that's obviously absurd. Mm. And so we need to think ourselves back out of this. The moral obligation is if you know you're sick with something and you willingly go out and expose other people, that's where the moral obligation is. It can't be, I might have something, I have no reason to think so, so I better never leave the house. That's what they're trying to con us with. Well, praise be to God. Good news, CDC changed the definition. So now all vaccines are incredibly effective. So don't worry. But Dr. Jay Richards, thank you for your time today. The book is The Price of Panic. You should check it out. We encourage you. God bless you. God love you, doctor. Well, uh, we'll have to have you back on the show to talk about fasting soon. Anytime. All right. We're going to go to a break. If For those of you that can join us for the second hour, we're going to play our game. Three last chances to win the prize. Could be you. It's coming up next. Don't go anywhere. Catholic Drive Time. Be right back. God bless you and God love you. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. The Bible says to call no man father, so why do we call our priests father? In Matthew 23, verse 9, it says, And call no man your father on earth, for you have one father who is in heaven. Notice that this verse makes no distinction between spiritual fathers, which is what priests are, and biological fathers. This passage says that no man is to be called father. Therefore, you cannot distinguish between calling a priest father and calling the man who is married to your mother father. But is that actually what this passage is saying? Or is Jesus warning us against trying to usurp the fatherhood of God, which is what the Pharisees and scribes were doing? They wanted all attention focused on them. They were leaving God, the Father, out of the equation. And even if you just interpret this passage from Matthew 23 as an absolute ban against calling anyone your spiritual father, then there are some problems for you in the rest of Scripture. For example, Jesus in the story of Lazarus and the rich man in Luke 16 has the rich man referring to Abraham as father several times. Paul in Romans 4 refers to Abraham as the father of the uncircumcised, the Gentiles. Spiritual fatherhood, not biological fatherhood. In Acts 7 and then in Acts 22, first Stephen and then Paul referred to the Jewish priests and elders as brothers and fathers. Spiritual fatherhood. So if you interpret Matthew 23 as saying we cannot call anyone our spiritual father, then you have to believe that Jesus, Paul, and Stephen all got it wrong. 
It is okay to call priests our spiritual fathers today. We are simply imitating the example given us by Jesus, Paul, and Stephen, all of whom who used the term in a spiritual sense. As long as we remember that our true father is God the Father and that all aspects of our fatherhood, biological and spiritual, are derived from him. A beacon of truth in a troubled world. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. Glorianshine.com, a generous underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. Glorianshine.com is a Catholic family-owned company making a variety of personal care products ranging from lotions, soap bars, gift boxes, body mist, beard care, and more. At Glorianshine.com, they state their mission is to, quote, craft every product with deep intention while holding a vision of sharing the gospel. They are good for the body, mind, and soul, unquote. God love you, Glorianshine.com. Thank you again. Welcome to your Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information from the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic Drive Time. Now, here's your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. It is good to be on with you. Praise be to God. You have survived it. It is Friday. You made it. You got all the way to here. Praise be to God. What's on the weekend's agenda? I'm, I'm curious. I'm wondering. Hmm. I'm going to take my son. We're going uh, dove hunting uh, after the show, later, at least later on today. Uh, I'm excited about that. Praise God. Hopefully and prayerfully we'll be uh, more successful than last weekend anyway. Are you going to San Antonio again? No. This no. time and closer by. Yes, there's a piece of public land just up the road. We're going to try that out and see how that works. But mm. uh, we're, I'm rookie at dove hunting, so I don't know how it's going to go. But that's all right. I get to hang out with my son. It's going to be fun. Mm. Praise God. What's on your agenda, Janice? I uh, have a family birthday coming up, and we uh going to celebrate with my cousins and nice. um, just family time and Fun. catching up on uh, house chores as usual on the weekends. Wow. <laughs> that's that. Don't say that too loud. My wife will hear and she'll get some ideas uh, about the honey do this. Uh, we just had a great conversation with Dr. Jay Richards about uh, his book uh, that he co-authored called The Price of Panic, How the Tyranny of Experts Turned a Pandemic into a Catastrophe. Dr. Richards is with the Heritage Foundation. He's also an adjunct professor at Catholic University of America. It was a great conversation. And then we also opened the phone lines to some of our listeners to share their 9-11 remembrance stories. Tomorrow is the 20-year anniversary, so well, maybe in the after show we can do a little bit more of that. I don't know. We might open the phones in the after show, so if you want to Tell us you, where you were on 9-11, September the 11th, mm-hmm. 2001. Uh, you might have an opportunity coming up in the second half of this hour on our live video feed, so stick around for that. But coming up at 15 past, we're going to play our game, Fear and Trembling. And today is the day where we give out the prize. And it's always fun to pull a name out of the coffee cup of Divine Providence, read it live, and give people cool stuff, thanks to our sponsors. Speaking of cool stuff, Adrian Fonseca is here on the ones and twos. Good morning to you, Adrian. Good morning. Good morning. It's good to be here. Yeah. You know, I'm surprised more people don't ask us what the ones and twos actually are. Oh, uh, they used I, to. I have that question, actually. What are the ones and twos? Mm. They, whenever you first started saying that, mm. I asked, and then everybody was like, Young what the heck people. is that? Young I bet I, I, I'm curious. If you're, if you're my age <laughs> or similar, I bet you know what the ones and twos are. 
Uh, maybe in the after show, we'll, we'll address that in the after show. What's on your agenda this weekend, Adrian? Oh, not much. Um, I'm probably going to, uh, do some, a little bit of resting over the weekend. Uh, but you know, it's all, it's all good things. So we'll see what happens. I'm not, I'm not a hundred percent certain. Um, but some good news is, uh, on Monday, we're going to have a great show. We're going to have our normally scheduled show and we're going to have Bree Dale show yeah, at yeah. Uh, the eight o'clock hour. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's going to be something different about the rest of the week. Huh, really? Joe? What? What is oh, it? Well, we are doing one, something we do, uh, once every quarter and that would be the share So that's going to be nice. happening Tuesday through Friday. Praise and, be uh, God. that means that we will not be having a second hour at this time. So during the 7 to 8 o'clock hour, 7 to 7.30, we will not be here. We will not be having the game show. We will have one on Monday. We'll see how we do that. Probably give away a mug or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but the rest of the week, we will be coming to you, our listeners, and asking to help support our your Catholic radio station. Uh, so, yeah, we'll be doing that 7 a.m. And I think we are on at the 9 o'clock hour, if I'm not mistaken. I, I think so, yeah. And so at the 9 a.m. Central Time hour, we will be back on the air to uh, be doing our share hour. So praise, praise be to God. God. Yeah. So please, dear listener, remember to support your local Catholic radio station, the Guadalupe Radio Network. Uh, it, it is very important to us. Without you, it becomes impossible. We are 100% listener-funded. We are brought to you by you. So uh, next week, Tuesday, starts things off, goes all the way to Friday. And don't be afraid to say, hey, Catholic Drive Time sent me. That would be super cool to hear a lot of Catholic Drive Time shout-outs during the uh, Sherathon, which we heard last last time. So we'd like to hear more of that. We'd be grateful. Let's pray. We're going to go into good news and stories with Janice in a moment. Saint of the day, gospel of the day, and then at 15 past, it's fear and trembling time. Uh, the trivia game show where prizes are given out, and that happens today. By the way, I want to thank loveyourmotherboard.com for being a generous sponsor of Catholic Drive Time. Loveyourmotherboard.com. Do you have kids who like to skateboard like I did? I loved skateboarding a lot. I wish this existed when I was a kid. It didn't. But uh, if you have skateboarders in your family, check out loveyourmotherboard.com. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. And now the good news with Janice Valenzuela. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, friends. I'm Janice Valenzuela, and here are your headline news for today. From Epic Times, all 13 U.S. service members who died in the Kabul airport attack will be posthumously awarded the Purple Heart. All U.S. service members who were killed on August 26 during the U.S.-led evacuation mission at the Kabul airport in Afghanistan have been awarded the Purple Heart Award. From Epic Times, the New South Wales Treasury is planning to put significant investment into tutoring services for students who have fallen behind the COVID-19 lockdowns. The United States and Mexico on Thursday agreed to work on making shared supply chains, especially for semiconductors, more competitive and invest in social programs to tackle migration, said top Mexican official after high-level economic talks in Washington. 
United Airline employees who are granted a medical and religious exemption have been informed that they'll be automatically placed on unpaid leave, a policy that one expert described as the harshest in America. An elderly couple has retired from fostering after welcoming over 600 children into their home over the last 56 years. Pauline and Roger Fitter, both in their 80s, actually started fostering when they had been married for just three months. This was due to a vow Mrs. Fitter had made when she was working as a nurse in a residential nursing care for young children waiting to be adopted. Praise God for their uh, uh, motherly and fatherly support for these children. From Catholic News Agency, Pope Francis said 15,000 ice creams were sent to prisoners in Rome as the eternal city sweltered in the summer heat this Vatican past this this past week. From Catholic News Agency, speakers from around the world have gathered at the International Eucharistic Congress in Budapest, Hungary, from September 5th through the 12th, sharing their testimonies of Eucharistic faith. One of those speakers is Barbara Hell, a former Protestant missionary who currently resides in Iowa. Barbara gave her powerful testimony of conversion, first to Protestant Christianity and then to Roman Catholicism. From Alatia, a religious sister will volunteer as a lawyer in Roman courts to serve the poor. Sister Francesca wanted to be a lawyer as a child and had a religious vocation later in life, but then she realized she could do both. Five biological sisters who became nuns in a period of just two years has drawn attention in Spain. Their home country, the family, includes a total of seven adult children, six sisters and one brother. All five sisters joined the same Spanish contemplative religious community, Jesu Comunio, founded in 2010 in Burgos in the north of the country. And these are your headline news for this morning god love you and have a blessed friday the saint of the day is saint ambrose edward barlow he was born in 1585 in barlow hall england and was the fourth son of sir alexander barlow and mary brinton he was baptized a catholic on the 30th of november 1585 and he was raised as a protestant But as an adult, he returned to the Catholic faith and he was educated at the College of St. Gregory in Douai, France, and the Royal College of St. Alban in Valladolid in Spain. He became a Benedictine in 1616 and was ordained in 1617 in Douai. He returned to England to minister to covert Catholics in South Lancashire for 24 years. Unlike many of his brother priests, Ambrose was very open about his work and was arrested several times. On the 25th of April, 1631, just as as he ended Easter Sunday Mass at Marlowe, near Manchester, England, he was arrested by an armed mob led by the local Anglican vicar. He was charged with the crime of being a priest, and he freely admitted it. He was one of the 40 martyrs of England and Wales, and he was hung, drawn, and quartered on Friday the 10th, September 1641, at Lancaster, Lanchestershire, England. His skull is preserved as a relic in Wardley Hall, sometimes known as the House of the Skull, near Manchester, England. His hand was preserved at Stanbrook Abbey in Worcester, England. 
He was canonized on the 25th of October 1970 by Pope Paul VI. St. Ambrose Edward, pray for us. Praise be to God in all things. The, uh, the gospel today comes to us from Luke chapter 6, verses 39 through 42. Jesus told his disciples a parable. Can a blind person guide a blind person? Will not both fall into a pit? No disciple is superior to the teacher, but when fully trained, every disciple will be like his teacher. Why do you notice the splinter in your brother's eye, but do not perceive the wooden beam in your own? How can you say to your brother, Brother, let me remove the splinter in your eye, when you do not even notice the wooden beam in your own eye? You hypocrite, remove the wooden beam from your eye first, then you will see clearly to remove the splinter in your brother's eye. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. St. Theophilus of Antioch once said, Show me that the eyes of your mind see, that the ears of your heart hear. Those who are able to look at God can see him because the eyes of their soul are open. Everyone has eyes, but the eyes of, the, of some are darkened and cannot see the light of the sun. The sun does not cease to shine because the blind cannot see it. The fault is in themselves, in their eyes. In the same way, the eyes of your soul are darkened by your sins and faults. St. Theophilus of Antioch, pray for us. Adrian, what did you find? Yeah, this is great. The uh, Cornetolopide says, It is barely possible that any one of whose mind and reason are clouded by grave sin could see how to correct the very small faults of others. For how canst thou hate the very small developments of those things, which is in a degree thou perceivest not in thyself? What is he saying here? He's saying, you know, when you commit grave sin, when you commit mortal sin, what happens to you? Your intellect is, is darkened and your will is weakened. And if you are in grave sin, how on earth can you have the virtue to call out the small faults and others? Cornus Lapide gives a great uh, example of the uh, of this virtue of taking out the plank in your own eye before taking out the moat in someone else's and your brother's eye. He gives the example of an abbot who was an anchorite, and he was uh, saying he was correcting uh, corrected his criticizing of other anchorites. And so, what happened? Well, he took a sack and he filled the sack with a great quantity of sand. So he filled it full to the brim with sand and he put it on his back. And he would carry before him in, a hand, in his hands a small basket with a little bit of sand sprinkled around it. And when he asked why he did this, he was told, he told them, the bag which holds most sand is my sins because they are many. And I put them on my back lest I should grieve and lament over them. But the little quantity of sand in the sin is the sins of my brother. And they are before my face and in them I exercise myself in judgment over my brother. And then when the abbot asked him uh, why he judged a certain person, an angel stood before him and said, God has sent me to ask you whether I am to cast that brother whom you have judged. And Isaac heard this. He sought forgiveness. And the angel said, arise, God forgives them. But just be careful for the time to come, not to judge any before God judges them. And so this is the uh, message that we should get. Let's weigh down our sins. Let's recognize that our sins are so great. Let's judge ourselves harsher than we judge others. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think that's a, uh, a good thing to take away from that. Judge Adrian.
harsher. Got it. Wrote it down. All right. Praise exact be to God. Exact opposite of what I said, but let's continue. <laughs> All right. It's time to play the game Fear and Trembling. The phone lines are open. If you would like your last three chances to win this week's prize pack, the bundle from CatholicArtAndJewelry.com, well, you got to call right now, 877-757-9424. Uh, be our first caller, and you get to be the contestant at 877-757-9424. That's 877-757-9424. 877-757-9424. The game show's coming up next. Prizes are given out today. We'll be right back. We all know children have a natural innocence and a sense of wonder. Yet our world is full of distractions that can pull families in the wrong direction. But with the help of God and a church family, your children can grow in the security of faith, hope, and love. Weekly Mass provides that critical faith foundation needed in life. So if your family hasn't been to Mass in a while, we'd like to invite you home. Discover more at catholicscomehome.org. Protestants like to use James 2, 10-11 against the Catholic doctrine of mortal and venial sin. Because James says, whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become guilty of all of it. But James can't be denying the doctrine of mortal and venial sin because in 115 he affirms it, saying that sin in its beginning stages doesn't bring death, venial sin, whereas it does in its more mature stages, mortal sin. The point James is making in James 2.10-11 is that we must keep all the commandments in order to avoid incurring the guilt of transgressing the law. We can't say to the Lord on Judgment Day, Lord, I only broke one commandment but kept the other nine. So James 2.10-11 is simply a misfire in trying to take down the Catholic belief of mortal and venial sin. I'm Carlo Broussard with the ready reason for Catholic Answers, Catholic.com. For 2,000 years, we've helped the poor and comforted the sick. We've educated generations of children, developed the scientific method and college system. We support marriage and human life. Guided by the Holy Spirit, we compiled the Bible. We are the Catholic Church. With over one billion in our family, sharing in the fullness of Christian faith in the church started by Jesus. If you've been away, visit CatholicsComeHome.org today. Welcome home. Welcome to another round of fear and trembling. <laughs> the Catholic Trivia Game Show that helps you work out your salvation by the seat of your pants. It's a 50-50 chance and prizes are involved. Avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Call now to take your shot. 877-757-9424. And now your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time and Fear and Trembling. The Catholic Trivia Game Show where we have a secret and hidden agenda. So please do us a favor and do not tell anybody what I'm about to tell you. But there's a few things we do like to do on the program, especially in the Trivia Game Show segment. We like to teach the faith. So we look for teachable moments in the questions where you might just learn something you did not know before. And uh, praise be to God for that. Of course, we like to have fun, and our callers, our contestants, laugh with us. We really enjoy that part. They're good sports, and uh, that makes it a lot of fun, too. And we give out prizes, making it a winner for pretty much everybody involved. So praise be to God. But here's the kicker 
Our caller on the line will not have to know the correct answers to win the game. They could win the game and not know a single one, and that's because I won't ask them the questions. Instead, I will ask Janice and I will ask Adrian, and one of them will be correct and the other will be wrong. And the caller will have 15 seconds on the clock to make a decision. Whom do they trust more, Janice or Adrian? And then every right answer goes into the coffee cup of divine providence to win this week's prize. And today is that day. Janice, what could they win? Yeah, this week we have a great uh, custom Catholic art bundle from Catholic Art and Custom Handmade Jewelry. Uh, the artist is Sue Como Johnson, and her Instagram uh, is Catholic Art and Jewelry, and she has a website and an Etsy shop. And uh, she actually messaged me and, and, and gave me a detailed description of what will be included. So she says there will be two popular Madonna and child prints, St. Teresa of the Child Jesus wash day print the vintage holy cards of the image of the sacred heart and the wedding of joseph and mary and an assortment of vintage holy card reprints so this is a a 50 dollars value catholic art bundle so if you know of anyone who loves catholic art especially um traditional catholic art this is a great bundle to uh, definitely get your name on the draw for praise be to god thank you catholic art and jewelry.com for your generous sponsorship of our game show let's go to the phones mary good morning to you thanks for calling in thank you for having me praise be to god mary where are you from Omaha, Nebraska. Omaha, Nebraska. That's got to be, I think this is the first Nebraska caller for our game show. Uh, that's pretty exciting. Uh, praise be to God. Where do you go to church? Um, Immaculate Conception, the Fraternity Parish. Oh, wonderful. Praise be to God for that. I also go to the Fraternity Parish here in my neck of the woods. Uh, very, very good. Praise God. Now, are you familiar with how the game is played? Yes. So you must have an opinion then. Who is more tricky? Janice, Adrian, what are your thoughts? Um, I would say Janice. Really? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. It's always the innocent ones that you got to be careful for, about, right? The quiet ones, that's the ones you got to watch yeah. the most. Now, why do you think Janice is most tricky? Um, I don't know exactly. It just, There's something. It just seems that There's like, something when Adrian there. is tricky, it's really, it's yeah. really clear. Mm-hmm. Let's find out <laughs> then. Like All right, Mary, are you ready to play? Yes. Let's do this. Let's see how this goes. Uh, Janice, we will start with you, as is our custom. Are you ready? Yes. Are you, are you sure? Yes, I'm 100% sure. Are you sure? Yes. Janice, can you tell me, <laughs> who is the usual minister of confirmation? The usual minister of confirmation would be mm-hmm. the bishop. Wow. Really? Mm-hmm. Hmm. So it's got to be the bishop. Yeah. It, okay. It can't be anything else. Really? Whew. Yes. <laughs> All right. Well, let's just go to Adrian for a, a second opinion here. Adrian, can you tell me who is the usual minister of confirmation? The usual minister of confirmation. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there are extraordinary mm-hmm. ministers of confirmation. Yeah. And there are ordinary ministers of confirmation. Yeah. And bishops are very busy, so really? they don't they don't normally do confirmations. Instead, they don't. You, the normal, the usual minister is a monsignor. A monsignore. Well, I didn't say that, but tell yes, the, essentially, tell the cool people say it. monsignore. 
Oh. We'll, we'll go with that. Okay. I'll, I'll, okay. I'll, I'll, I'll accept that. All right. You're a good man. All right. So, uh, Mary, let me summarize for you. Adrian seems to think it has to be a Monsignore, whereas Janice says it's the bishop. Uh, 15 seconds on the clock. Who is right? Who is wrong? Mary, what say you? Uh, Janice. Are you sure? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> she got it. She Where's got my it. dub button, man? My, I got no volume on my dub button. <laughs> Praise be to God. Well, fascinating fact. Uh, priests can get a dip dispensation from the bishop in order to to do it. But that's an extraordinary circumstance. The bishop is the usual minister. Congratulations, Mary. You are in the coffee cup of divine providence. Uh, is that your child there? Do I hear in the background? Oh, yes. <laughs> How old? Uh, one year. Praise be to God. That's awesome. We love not it. enough to play the game yet. Yes. Yeah. Soon. A future <laughs> fear and trembling contestant. I love that. All right. We're going to go to question number two. Now, Mary, uh, I understand you are an expert in Latin. Uh, so this ought to be a super easy uh, question for you. But we're going to go to Adrian first. Adrian, can you uh, translate for me uh -oh. the Latin mea culpa into English. Yikes. Okay. Um, Self-admittedly, I did very poorly in my Latin classes. Come um, But I'm I'm fairly certain mm -hmm. that it means I am not worthy. Wow. Now, do you are you speaking personally, or do you mean that's your answer? Uh, yes. Uh huh. Okay. Uh -huh. So I am not worthy. Uh huh. Exactly. Okay. I mean, you are not worthy. That's what I. No, no, no. You said it right. Uh huh. You are not worthy. Mm -hmm. uh -huh. No, I'm. I'm? Okay. Anyway, Janice, can you tell me, or Janice, can you translate for me uh, the Latin phrase mea culpa into English, please? Mm. Well, I, so I actually never took Latin classes. Really? Um, formally. Uh -huh. But I do attend uh, weekly to the fraternity as well, Mary, so... That makes two of us, or three of us, or four of us. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, I have my missile at home, and I, mm. I use it regularly. I would say that's through my fault. Through my fault. Mm -hmm. mm. That's your final answer. Yes. Seems kind of uh, sus. Un unlike Adrian isn't worthy, <laughs> you're gonna go with through um, my fault. Through I'm my fault. I'm okay. Not All right, so uh, Mary, <laughs> I'll summarize for you. Janice seems to think mea culpa means through my fault. Versus Adrian seems to think I am not worthy. 15 seconds on the clock. Who is right? Who is wrong? Mary, what say you? Um, Janice is right again. Wow. Yes. <laughs> wow. Are you sure? Uh, oh. She noticed that. that whew, congratulations. But the, the, wow, the excitement in her voice to say again, Janice is right. <laughs> like, wow. <laughs> Yeah, that was an easy one, right, Mary? Kind of sketch. I don't know. I no. used to have a shirt as a child. Uh, I am always right. I am always that right. That was my, my shirt as a child. <laughs> Mary, that was super easy, right? Um, yeah, kind of. <laughs> kind of. All right. Well, you're in for two. You could win today. It could be a great day, but let's see if we can't triple your chances. And I got this one should be easy. It could be true. I don't know. Let's just find out. Janice? Can you tell me what name is given to the authentic English version of the Bible? Hmm. Uh, authentic name, English version of the Bible. That would be the uh, newly revised 
American version. The newly revised American. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Adrian, can you, <laughs> Adrian, can you tell me uh, what name is given to the authentic English version of the Bible? Uh, let's see. If by authentic you mean mm-hmm. translated from the Latin Vulgate, mm-hmm. I'm going to go with mm-hmm. a Douay Rames. The Douay Rames. Interesting. Interesting. Mm-hmm. All right, uh, Mary, I will summarize for you. Adrian seems to think it is the Douay Rames, uh, whereas Janice seems to think it's the new revised American version. Nobody chose the Wycliffe version or the King James. I'm so surprised. <laughs> uh, 15 seconds on the clock. Who is right? Who is wrong? Mary, what say you? This time I'm gonna have to go with Adrian for the dear you. I am. I'm so sorry that you you feel forced to have to I go have with no Adrian. I mean. She survey says brilliant. <laughs> that is the most brilliant thing that she could have said. <laughs> well, praise be to God. Perfect score, Mary. Congratulations to you. Uh, now, whether or not you win is a different ball game. So, what's happening right now is Janice is putting your name into the coffee cup mm-hmm. of divine providence. We have to hurry at this point. What's, what's your last name, Mary? Just put Mary oh, in there. Okay. It's fine. We'll know. But because uh, we have uh, just about a minute to go we're gonna stir the the coffee coffee cup up we're gonna pull out a winner and we will announce it live mary it might not be you it could be you let's pray for god's divine will to be done i'm shaking the cup right now and i'm gonna take out my lucky hand here you have a name yes and the winner is (laughs) and the winner is mary They're going to think you win that. (laughs) Mary, congratulations, Mary. Wow, thank you so much. Praise be to God. Congratulations. You had a perfect score and the name pulled out of the cup. Well done. Well done. Thank you for playing our game. Uh, We're very grateful to you. We're going to put you on hold so we get your number so we can connect you to the uh, sponsor. And we are grateful to them as well. But Mary, thank you. God bless you. God love you. Have a great day. You too. Thanks. All right. We're going to put you on hold. I want to thank CatholicArtAndJewelry.com for being our sponsor this week. That was fun. Next week, we'll give out a prize on Monday, and then that's it for the rest of the week. But if you want to tell us your 9-11 story, join us in the after show. We'll open the phone lines up again. It's coming up next. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. Praise be to God. Welcome back to the after show of Catholic Drive Time, where we get, let's just say, more casual uh, about our conversations. And uh, you get to drive the conversation, but we wanted to give you another opportunity to share your 9-11 remembrance story, this being the 20-year anniversary of 9-11. Alan Mallory sent us an email. I could read that. I've got a phone call on the line, but if you would like to uh, share your story with us, the phone lines are open at 877-757-9424. Where were you on September the 11th, 2001? You can call and share that with us during this after show. We got some time now, uh, well, to the top of the hour anyway, at 
877-757-9424. That's 877-757-9424. I'm going to go to uh, a caller here in just one second. Uh, otherwise, what happens in the after show, if you're new here or you're just listening and you've never commented, please do comment. Uh, we love our first-time commenters. We really appreciate our first-time commenters. Uh, we lavish extra love upon you for doing so. So uh, keep that in mind. Praise be to God. Um, and if you want to talk about something, you, you're welcome to change the subject. All you got to do is comment, and there's a good chance we might comment or talk about that uh, as well. Uh, Mr. Molina, praise be to God. He says, I own Catholic businesses. Uh, he says, I own a Catholic business and was wondering if anyone was seeking patronage. Hmm, interesting. I wonder what you mean by that. Uh, tell us what business you own, Mr. Molina. We'd be happy to mention that. But let's go to, uh, let me go into the phone lines here. Uh, good morning to you, Mike. Uh, hey, how are you? Praise be to God. I am alive, Mike. Thank you for being on. Uh, CDT Insider, Mike, we're grateful to have you on the program. Oh, I'm grateful to be here. God bless you all. Now, so, remind us, morning. where are you from, Mike? I am from Newport News, Virginia. It's just north of Norfolk. Go Wonderful. to St. Benedict's, by the way, down in Chesapeake. Good, another fraternal society church. Uh, oh, is it? Church. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, the FSSP so, is represented well on this program. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> Praise be to absolutely. God. Now, you're, you're, a, you're a retired veteran from Coast Guard. Correct. 20 years. 20 years. Wow, and, thank you uh, for your service. Oh, well, thank you for yours. And and finish my career as what we uh, affectionately call a staff weenie. So. <laughs> a staff weenie? Is uh, that, <laughs> that doesn't sound healthy. <laughs> that doesn't sound healthy. <laughs> only, only one person on the call, other than the listeners, uh, know what that means. I was at Coast Guard headquarters my yeah. last four years. Wow. So... Um, and and I was involved in a, an enlisted realignment project at the time and got to do a lot of traveling. And so on September 10th, I went to Buffalo, New York to do a briefing. Oh, wow. And it was one of those, you leave at 9 in the morning on mm. Monday, and you hope to get home by 10 in the morning on Tuesday, if that makes sense. Uh, so anyway... Uh, I remember going to the airport on the morning of September 11th. You know, typical military guy. I'm showing up two hours early, sitting in the airport, having a cup of coffee. Right? <laughs> yes, yes, in, amen. in uniform, in uniform, and uh, the TVs were overhead, and they had said a plane had crashed into mm. the World Trade Center. And I, I said, well, that's not the first time that's happened. There'd been like a Cessna or something that hit it a few yeah. uh, years earlier. And I said, well, that's no big deal. And I, I, you know, I'd already turned in my rental car, turned in my key for my room, sitting in the airport, getting ready to fly home. And then when the second plane hit, I, I did one of those, you know, oh, my gosh, this isn't good. And I don't know what it was, but I got up from my chair. This is, I, I had a cell phone, but remember, cell phones were really expensive to use back then. So I went to a pay phone in the middle of the airport, and young folks won't know what that is. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I, but thought, anyway I thought all I phones you paid for. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I called the hotel and said, hey, could you hold my room? And then I immediately called Hertz or Avis or whomever it was and said, yeah. can I have my rental car back? And, and <laughs> so I, I grabbed all those and went back. And uh, I didn't mention it earlier, but my office at headquarters faced the Anacostia River. And, of course, over the Anacostia River was the Pentagon. Mm. And so I, I went back to my hotel, immediately called my office mates and um, the O3 whom I, I worked for, and said, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm stuck here in Buffalo. I don't know when I'm getting home. Uh, I don't think we're going to be able to fly out anytime soon. 
And then, you know, the, the loneliest places, and I always say this, the places where I revisit my sins are in hotel rooms because there's just, it's you and nothing, right? Right. And, and so I was in there and I was praying and I was crying and I was very upset because I knew what this meant. I, I knew what it meant as soon as I realized what happened. I knew this was going to change America. Mm. And um, at the time, I was not, I had, re, I had left the faith and I was a... Uh, thinking of going to seminary as a Lutheran pastor. And oh, I wow. Was, yeah, and I, I was just, I thought that this was God's reckoning on America, and I I, I really did believe that in my heart. And uh, so I finally, by 2.30, 3 o'clock in the afternoon, said, enough of this, i got to go see a movie. And I went and saw the worst movie in the world. It was like Jay and Silent Bob, but I thought comedy, <laughs> right? <laughs> But I just had it. It was not a comedy. I left the movie even sadder than I was. Yeah, like, why would you do that to yourself? The headlines are bad enough. <laughs> like, well, it was terrible. But, but anyway, and, and you know, it, 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 and we saw, and, and the positive of all of this, if there was any positive to come out of this whole event, was I finally, by Thursday, I said, I got to drive home, call the rental car company. And they said, absolutely, take the car and don't worry about it. We'll, we'll deal with it. Mm. And. I remember coming down Interstate, I think it's 81, down the uh, Blue Ridge, all the way down from, from up north yeah. uh, on the mountains, and every single overpass had an American flag. And because uh, I was wearing a Coast Guard t-shirt or something, everybody I walked in when I got guests, thank you so much for your service. I have never seen our country so united yeah, never. as that day. Yep. And, and uh, you know, it was just... You know, just think about this, Mike. Uh, sure. Those 13 uh, men, and I think there was one woman who died in Kabul. Uh, what was that, a week and a half ago? Right, right. And uh, you and I commiserated over that. <laughs> when, when 9-11 happened, they were in diapers? I mean, they were, they were, they were young little kids. Their experience of 9-11 was almost non-existent. And yet they served our country, and yet they stayed their post, and yet they died for in the service of others. It's, 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 it's mind-numbing to think that those who are going to be deployed and have been deployed these last uh, 20 years, uh, most of which don't really have that same experience of that lived reality that you, that you had in particular, being so close to the action versus I, like everybody else, watched it on television. It was, it was, and and these young folks who are serving are remarkable uh, people. They really are. My heart, I, I have so much pride in our brothers and sisters in arms, uh, every generation. So, um, yeah, it, it's just, it's stunning to me. And, and, and you know, for, for folks my age, it was the people who were older than me who said, Do you, where were you when Kennedy died? And I have no recollection of that. I, I, I was an infant. So, um, you know, it's. To think, to think about the people who serve our country, and those 13 people hit every one of us who served in the heart, uh, you know, that one Navy corpsman, those Marines. It was mm. just, they're, 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 it, you know, I hear millennials get banged on all the time by people in uh, Generation X and, and, and up in age, and they're, they're more remarkable than we were at that age. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> it's funny. Are. That's not what my drill instructor used to say, Mike. Uh, well, we, we lie when we were drill instructors. <laughs> so, oh, uh, man. That's hilarious. Well, praise be anyway. to God. 
Anyway, well, thank you guys for everything you do, and thank you for allowing me to share my experiences with you, and God bless you all. And yeah, uh, Mike, thank you. Prayers. Thank you for you're being a, a, a supporter of our radio apostolate as oh. well. We're very grateful to you, Mike. I'm, I, it's my pleasure, and I, I look forward to talking to you again, okay? All right. God bless you, Mike. Have a great day. God bless you. Bye now. That leaves a phone line open for you. If you would like to call in and share where you were on 9-11, I want to give you that opportunity. You can call right now at 877-757-9424. That's 877-757-9424. Call in, and you will uh, be on with us, and you can share where you were in remembrance of that faithful day some 20 years ago at 877-757-9424. You know, Joe, it's funny because... um, me and my buddies are talking about nine eleven in our group chat, and uh, one of my buddies was like, "Yeah, dude, I was I was one when that happened," and I'm like, "Holy moly! Like we're like getting to that point where people just don't have any recollection nine eleven. It's no, it's yeah. kind of crazy. It is. It's. Uh, I mean, I barely have a recollection of the of the day that it happened. I don't remember why everything happened. I just remember being pulled out of school." And uh, my mom freaking out, uh, my dad not being home because my dad was at work. And uh, that was, was crazy. But now we're getting to a point where uh, people are being, are like, uh, someone made the point the other day that whenever they check you for your ID now, um, for if you're uh, trying to see if you're 21 buying drinks, all they have to do is see if you were born in 2000 or not. They just look for one at the beginning of the number. And we got to that point now. Yeah. Um, and it's so. kind of like history is perhaps being lost with that you know that gen z generation um i am like right at the border of millennial gen z born in 93 and i was in third grade when 9-11 happened and i can say that my generation like the millennial generation we have experienced um you know uh, we experienced 9-11 as children and now we're experiencing 2020 as young adults and i i feel like it's a repeated kind of narrative where we're seeing like panic and confusion and distress uh, kind of happening all over again. But this time, you know, as adults, we're like, oh, you know, we we have bills to pay. We have yeah. to keep our lives together. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I was uh, in third grade and a lot of my fellow classmates and, and fellow um, uh, friends of my age we do remember 9-11. Uh, we, I remember vividly I was in third grade uh, I was seven or eight years old, and um, it was nine in the morning. I was in elementary, and all of a sudden, everybody's parents started picking up their kids, and their every all my classmates were gone by the end of the day. Uh, I think there was only like ten percent of the student body left on campus, and uh, and I think school was canceled like the next day, or um, you know, I, I, it was kind of a a, a weird moment, and and I, I once I went home, my parents you know, told me what happened and we watched the news and all of that. But, um, yeah. And, uh, so definitely my, my classmates, we still, we still remember it, uh, as children. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I can imagine. Uh, I want to give everybody opportunity who wants to share with us who can, and who wants to do that. The phone number is 877-757-9424. That's 877-757-9424. If you call in now, we'll put you on with us and we'll 
will uh, get your story where you were on September the 11th, 2001. Alaric says he was in the third grade. The teacher announced it to our class. Despite being in a smaller city at the time, we were all a little on edge just hearing planes in the sky for a little while there. Interesting, yeah. Oh, so Alaric and I are pretty close in age. Pretty close in age, for sure. About four years older than me. Um, I did get an email from our friend of the show, Alan Mallory, <clears throat> and this is what he said. It was a Tuesday. I was teaching history in a classroom at Waller Junior High School, and I believe it was in the 9 a.m. hour. Mm -hmm. A teacher near my room came to the door and mentioned about planes crashing into buildings in New York City. She said in a low voice, then I turned to the class and mentioned it to the students. When the bell rang to end the period, I hurried to the office and got to the landline free uh, for teacher's use. I called my mom and said to turn on the TV. My mom said that the WTC of the World Trade Center had collapsed. Students are being picked up during the day, but school continued until the end. I watched footage in my apartment alone into the night. I had forgotten that my brother, Mike, was going to celebrate his birthday the next day, and my mom reminded me. I called him September the 12th, his birthday, and apologized for overlooking it. I brought up the fact that these hijackers had trained in South Florida. Both of us had attended a Rolling Stones concert on March 5th, 1999. And I mentioned how the hijackers could have been at the concert or could have driven by them in general area. Pretty creepy. I remember telling my mom, I am having problems accepting this. Alan Mallory. Well, thank you, Alan, for, for sharing that. Uh, again, the phone lines are open for those that want to uh, share. Praise be to God. Uh, 877-757-9424. 877-757-9424. Praise be to Jesus. Let us know what you're thinking. <clears throat> um, you know, I shared in the first hour of the program some of the uh, the, the things that I was going through that day. But one of the things, the other things that I, I'll never forget was watching George Bush being told at the moment he realized what was happening. You know, a guy comes in, whispers into his ear. He's in, he's in, he's in a classroom at the time, and he was, uh, I can't remember what school he was. He might have been in Florida, I forget. But he was sitting there, and the teacher was, I think, reading to the children, and he was just sitting there observing, and then this aide comes in. I think it was his chief of staff at the time, and walks in and leans over and whispers into his ear, and the look on his face, the instant anxiety of his facial muscles, the the uh, the gnawing of teeth and the the scrunching of the brow, and you could just see that this look of grave concern. And then, of course, a moment later, he gets up and walks out of the room. And then he gets onto a plane. They put him into the. Uh, there's uh, several. Air Force Ones, there's the, there's the giant 747 we all know and love. By the way, Donald Trump has commissioned a brand new one, and uh, I guess Biden will be the one accepting it. And it even comes with a brand new paint scheme. The, uh, the paint scheme has not changed since JFK. Uh, JFK, it was his wife that uh, created the paint scheme of the Air Force One, Jackie. And now that's going to be changing. But anyway, I digress. Uh, Bush gets on the Air Force One, they take him to an Air Force base, and then they put him on the doomsday version. So there's a, there's a more robust version of the 747. It's meant for a nuclear war. Uh, so an aerial command center uh, that can withstand a nuclear blast. And he was on that when he, um, when he was preparing to address the nation for the first time. Uh, very, it was very surreal. 
to be honest. And we didn't know what to expect. As I mentioned, many of us thought there's got to be worse still to come. Will they be attacking cities near us? I mean, I lived near Boston at the time, um, north of Boston by about an hour and a half. And we thought, will Boston be a target? I mean, New York is a target. Boston's just a little further up. And to realize that some of these terrorists had come through airports in Maine, you're like, I've, I drive, I, I mean, I was doing projects near that airport already. So I was very familiar with that airport in Maine, in Portland, Maine, that one of those terrorists came through. So it, it felt very close to home and it felt very, very surreal. Um, Josh, uh, my buddy Josh said on the YouTube side, I don't even remember being pulled out of school or anything like that. I'm, uh, as a 1997 baby, my own view on 9 11 really is the politics of the never ending war on terror. You cannot declare war on an, on in an idea. Um, yeah, I don't know if I agree with that. You can't declare war on an idea. I think, I, I think you can. I mean, like, that's like the whole idea of, um, Declaring war on heresies, like having the Inquisition, having the Crusades, having um, the Reconquista, all these, like, you can have, you definitely can have war on idea because ideas don't just exist in a vacuum. They are held by people, they're held by individuals or and by groups. And so, war on terror is uh, not necessarily a war on, like, uh, people who are scary. It's a war on something uh, that is. Uh, on terrorist that that's the uh the whole idea behind it so i don't think it's like a war on things that are scary mm-hmm. it's a war on the terrorists the people who mm-hmm. cause this i think i mean it was clear that that's what was meant by that yeah uh mm-hmm. laurie says i remember how the entire world showed their support their kindness shown to all passengers stranded who could not travel and yeah it's it's this is i guess you're this is another one of those rabbit holes i could go down especially in regards to covid you know, the disproportionate response, which is part of the conversation we had today with Dr. Richards in our first hour. Uh, Harvey, for those of us that live in the Metro Houston area, we, we remember Harvey very well. Many people are are going through, I had just gone through Ida last week, and I'm sure they've had similar experiences as those of us in the Metro Houston area. Neighbor helped neighbor. We didn't ask permission. We didn't wait for the government to tell us. You helped your neighbor because your neighbor needed help. You did the things you know you needed to do because they needed to be done. No government agency had to tell you what to do. You just did it. And um, and it felt like that after 9-11. I mean, mm-hmm. Mike brought up a good point. September the 12th and and maybe for a few years after that, you thanked people for their service. You thanked service members for their sacrifices, police officers. Remember a time in our country when you would be grateful for the police and for their sacrifices? Now, I'm sure, I mean, uh, there's always going to be cases or stories or examples of police officers acting badly, doing bad things. They should be held accountable for that. However, on the whole, police officers are noble people doing doing noble work. and um, And in those days, we thank them. And I still try to do that. I think a lot of people do. Praise be to God. Firefighters. Firefighters were the real heroes at 9-11 in those World Trade Centers. Mm. While everybody was running down, firefighters running up. Mm-hmm. They didn't ask. They didn't question. They didn't think twice. People were falling from these, these towers and h- impacting the earth. And they still climbed those towers. They still did their job. Why? Because that's what firefighters do. That's what they do. Mm-hmm. That is their vocation. 
I mean, their occupation, but you know what I meant. And I see the trend is that um, COVID, the pandemic has actually had the reverse effect. Yeah. Where uh, instead of being a united country, we've become a divided country. And instead of being a country that honors and respects our first responders and military uh, personnel, we've actually become a country that uh, disregards and hates the police and hates, you know, kind of, it's not, we, we've we become a disunified nation, I feel, this past year, unfortunately, uh, compared to what the, the aftermath of 9-11, you know, it's, it, it's at the same level, it was the same level of panic, I would mm. say. But um, I think definitely COVID, the panic has continued um, because of, uh, you know, just the continuous variants and everything that's going on. But um, I think the the aftermath is kind of a reverse, which is unfortunate. Yeah, Yeah. we've turned our people against one another instead of helping one another Mm -hmm. like we did before. Now we are turning in our brothers and sisters into the police, turning them into the government, reporting them, um, checking them at the door. It's kind of it's crazy. It's crazy to think about. Uh, Josh said uh, the Crusades had a defined enemy with real armies. Uh, yeah, I think there probably there is a definitely a difference in our situation because you know the terrorist organizations aren't a formal army. It's kind of harder to fight because it's more of a guerrilla type thing. But I do think we definitely need to respond in some degree. Uh, Alaric said, "I've been hearing how we could have chased people responsible into Pakistan, and we chose not to, and somehow still thought we were going to." build a quote fortress of democracy in quote in afghanistan yeah that is we could have pursued the responsible into pakistan but chose not to and camped out to build democracy instead yeah the i think the major problem with the us going into afghanistan is that we do not have a proper vision of the world to bestow upon others like how did the christian west evangelize and westernize the entire world how did we do that it wasn't because we came in and gave them politics and gave them iphones and gave them uh, mcdonald's no we gave them a culture we gave them the faith and uh whenever you give someone the faith it changes everything whereas whenever we give them democracy well i mean democracy all that does is uh you you get a, a new king every four years whatever you vote for and uh, that's not that's not a, that's not a, a worldview. That's not a yeah. culture. Whereas the only way, the only way to uh, change a place like Afghanistan is to convert the people. Is to bring the Catholic faith. That's the only way. Everything else uh, will fall short and fail every time. You know, um, back in those days, I had a different worldview uh, than I, in, in many ways that I do today. And now, looking back, you know, age gives you experience, experience gives you more wisdom. And uh, what an opportunity to look back. We've had a foreign policy ever since the mid 40s, even before then. Uh, we were we were sending we were sending pilots into China during World War II before we even we even engaged in what officially declared war and our pilots were shooting down Japanese uh, pilots uh, before we even declared war. So we had troops overseas. We had troops in um, in England before we declared war. There were, we had pilots over there fighting. Some of them went through Canada, but we sent some folks. Mid-40s, we were still fighting World War II. We were sending people to see what would become the CIA into Vietnam to train Ho Chi Minh. And then we turned around and had to fight Ho Chi Minh. We lost nearly 60,000 Americans and the, as the cost of our training Ho Chi Minh and equipping him you know, we lost 60,000 troops 
We we trained Saddam Hussein. We were we trained um, the guy in uh, Egypt. We were trained the guy in Tripoli. We trained Osama bin Laden. Uh, we give them guns. We give them training. Uh, our foreign policy has been rinse and repeat. It doesn't matter who's in the office, Republican, Democrat. It hasn't made a difference. Uh, and ever since the 40s, we've had the same policies, uh, no matter who's in, in the White House. And we're seeing that continue. So going into Afghanistan, we, we had Osama bin Laden in our gun sites. Uh, you can watch the Delta Force interviews uh, of the guys who, who were there. They knew exactly where he was. And they could have killed him or captured him, but their uh, counterparts in uh, Afghanistan threatened them. They would not let them go after him. You go any further, we're going to kill you. And they had to make a tough choice. It's tragic. We should have accomplished our mission and gotten out. We should have learned from what the Russians tried to do and gotten out. But we didn't. We didn't. You know, Kuwait, 1991, the war that I signed up for. Um we had an objective, we hit it, we got out. Well, we have, of course, assets in the area, blah, blah, blah. But we didn't invade Iraq and set up a new government. Um, wisdom, 2020 vision, it's easier to see. It's harder to see at the time. But I remember the whole arguments over uh, invading Iraq. And at the time, I, uh, I put up a sign. I was working for a corporate company and I uh, had a corporate position. I put a big sign in the back window of my car, pray. Pray, because there were a lot of people upset we were invading Iraq. And I said, pray. Pray for those that are going to be affected by this. And uh, I got a lot of flack from my coworkers because I had this sign that asked people to pray. So then I, when we invaded, I sent an email out to my entire company, which I had no authority to do, but I did it anyway. And I said, listen, I'm going to be in the lunchroom at such and such a time praying for all those affected by this invasion. If you would like to pray with me, come visit me and we'll pray together. <laughs> I got chewed out pretty good for, for daring to invite people to prayer uh, over that situation. But I'll remember my company had a television on 24-7 watching the news cycle. And all of this talk about chemical warfare and, and all the, the, the chemical warfare caches. Well, there was all of these embedded journalists with the units. And there was one uh, journalist who was doing a live video with uh, a Marine recon unit who was on the border between Iraq and I think it was Syria. And they had, there was a convoy of Iraqi trucks trying to get out of the country as fast as they could. And this Marine unit engaged this convoy and stopped them. Turns out they were mobile chemical uh, plants. So in the backs of these giant trucks, they were able to process chemical weapons. And I saw that live. I watched that live. You never heard another word about that stuff. Was there enough evidence to invade? I haven't the slightest clue. Uh, I still don't believe we should have, uh, we should do this regime change warfare. I still don't think we ought to be doing that. But either way, very complicated situation that became the new normal after 9-11. Uh, Spygate, right? Think about all uh, Snowden. The reason why Snowden became a whistleblower is because 9-11 changed the game on eavesdropping on Americans. And he wanted to alert the public to that. Was he right? Was he wrong? Is he a criminal? Is he a traitor? I don't know. I'll let you decide that. But I, I do know this. They are spying on you. I mean, our phone devices record and listen to things we say. Our doorbells communicate with each other within the neighborhood. I mean, thank you, Amazon Sidewalk, for that, for that level of, 
of capability to be in our homes and listen to us continually. It's, we'll, it's a new world. And we'll be talking about digital technocracy next Wednesday. Oh, that's with right. I our forgot. special guest, uh, Matthew Williams, I believe that's his name. Don yeah. mm-hmm. says he was in Chicago at the trade convention at McCormick Convention Center. He says he was in a hotel having coffee and watched the news in disbelief. All air traffic stopped. I checked out the hotel and took the Chicago-based rental car and headed back to Texas. As driving south, the eerie sight of no air traffic and the high presence of police the whole trip south. Yeah, thanks for sharing that, Don. Um, what else? We're getting ready to run out of time. We're almost out of here. Well, I was going to ask Adrian. Uh, I, 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 I'm curious to know what is the Gen Z's view of 9/11. Is it like indifferent or? Well, well I don't represent Gen Z, but yes, you do. Um, yeah. <laughs> on behalf of all Gen in, Z, in this room, you do. <laughs> and, uh, between me and my friends, we have varying views of 9/11. Uh, we have, I mean, we all think that it's bad, uh, obviously, but we also hold that uh, the war in Afghanistan is not the, the best thing. But of course, we're looking at it in retrospect, so it's a little bit different. But anyway, I, I don't think we have enough time to talk about. Oh, like the old get out of seconds. jail free card, huh? The old oh, we're out of time. So sorry. <laughs> hey, I don't make I don't, <laughs> make, make, the, the I don't make the clock. You don't make the oh, clock. Wait, wait. Awkward. Hold on. You do. <laughs> anyway, God love you. God bless you. Uh, remember tomorrow to stop and pray. 20 year anniversary for the repose of the souls that were lost that day, and for our future as well. So much is affected. But have a great weekend. We'll see you back here on Monday. Remember, Monday is the only normal day next week. But we'll tell you more about that on Monday. God bless you. God love you. And have a great weekend. We'll see you then. Thank you for joining us.